Hey, this morning we're going to continue the series on the seven habits of a highly effective Christian, an overcoming Christian. You know, there are are, um, so many people in the body of Christ that just struggle, and they shouldn't. We will go through struggles, and we will go through trials, but we should be able to do it with a strength that is in us, that is uh, profound, a strength that is in us that is abnormal in the world, a strength that is in us that, that points toward the Lord Jesus. And Pastor Needs and I have been in ministry for about 20, almost 25 years, and we've seen a lot of Christians that walk in power and authority. And, and let me put it to you this way. If you're going to be an overcoming follower of Jesus Christ, that means you're going to have consistency in your life. That means that when you pray, God consistently answers. Now, I'm not saying that he always gives you what you pray for, but there is a, there is, it's not a hit and miss thing in your life. If you're an overcoming follower of Jesus Christ, there's a sense inside of you of victory. And you may have a down day every now and then, but you're consistently up. Are you hearing me? When everybody else has lost hope, you are consistently hopeful and faith is active in your life. And that's probably one of the greatest measurements of maturity in the body of Christ is consistency. And consistency is not perfection as we we think about perfection. We think about perfection as in never making a mistake, and that's not what we're talking about. When we think about perfection, it means we kind of think we never get down, we never get sick, we never get attacked, and that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about just overall, you're moving up. Overall, you may have some highs and lows, but as you grow in Christ, the highs and the lows kind of even out, and the, the, the fewer, fewer and fewer lows in your life as you grow. Now, that doesn't mean you're not having tough times. That doesn't mean that you're, you're not going through a trial and a tribulation, but something on the inside of you is strengthening you, and it is visible, it's notable. So here are the seven habits of a highly effective Christian. First, we put the Word of God first. The Word of God is first in our life. Not not, not what people are saying out there in the world, not not what the customs are changing, not, not what's acceptable in the media. We put the Word of God first in our lives, usually first in our day. And we meditate on the Word of God and we feed. We, don't, we, if we're going to be overcoming followers of Christ, we just don't get in the Word of God on Sunday morning. We're in the Word of God every day because we are forgetful hearers. And we need to, faith comes by hearing or reading the Word of God, not having read or heard the Word of God. So we put the Word of God first. Secondly, if you're an overcoming follower of Jesus Christ, then, then we're cons- constantly in prayer. And that doesn't mean that you're on your knees to the point that you have calluses and or those kind of things. What, what it means is your heart is open to God and open to the leading of God's Spirit. We are people of the Word first, and we are people of the Holy Spirit second. The Word is first in our life, and the Holy Spirit fills in the gaps and strengthens us and leads us and guides us. So we're people of the Word, and we're people of the Spirit. We're constantly in prayer. Third, we consider our ways. And that's on a regular basis. We say, how did I do today? How how did this week go? Because we know when we consider our ways, what we're really doing is considering the paths that we took yesterday. Because where we are today is a result of the decisions that we made over the last couple months and weeks. And the paths that we walked have led us to where we're at today. And if we don't like where we're at today, guess what? We need to start choosing some other paths. And so we consistently, we consistently have our heart open toward God, but we consider our ways on a regular basis. Some people only do this once a year. 
And, and, then, and then, you, you know, they, they kind of get off track. And then about the 15th of January, you know, everything that they considered that they were going to change, they just throw it out the door. Well, I would suggest that you do it on a weekly and a monthly basis and a quarterly basis and an annual basis. In other words, you just sit down and with the Word of God and with the Spirit of God in prayer, and you say, how am I doing? Am I in the same place that I was last year? And if you are, see, I really believe that God wants each and every one of us to increase. I believe that God wants each and every one of us to get better. I believe that God wants each and every one of us to improve. I don't believe that God wants us to be perfect as in never making mistakes. I don't see that in the scripture. But what I do see is God literally wanting each and every one of us to have a, an improving style of living, integrity, consistency. Number, number four, we are missional. That means that we lead people to Jesus. And we share our faith. Number five, we're generous. Number six, we attend church and we participate in the church community. Guys, there's something that's going on in the world today that says you don't need to be part of a church to be success, successful in Christ. And that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Jesus Christ established the church. He established the local church. He put into the church gifts, which are pastors and teachers and prophets and evangelists, to equip us, to encourage us, to discipline us. The church is the government of God. The church is the body of Christ on the earth. The church is Jesus with skin on for us. Jesus in our face. Because when you get out there on your own and you're not into a church on a regular basis, you get flaky. But I'll tell you what you will get is you will become a person who isn't victorious, not with consistency. God wants you to be part of a local church because the truth, the pillar of truth is in the church. It is the church in the earth. The church equips you with the word of God. The church provides protection for you. The church provides authority for you and in your life. Without the church, we're part of the body of Christ, but we're not part of what God is doing on the earth. God never, never, never intended for a Christian to be a Christian by themselves as a matter of fact, he said, where two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst. There is something about coming together. And the word church means it's a, it's a regularly called assembly, and it's a public thing. We come out of the homes into an assembly on a regular basis, and we know the Word of God says as the end approaches, man, don't stop attending. Don't stop assembling like some are in the habit of doing. Those people are going to, they're going to suffer. But we need to come together and encourage each other all the more. And I don't know about you, but it is getting darker in some places, which is going to make the light of the church brighter. Today, we're going to talk about number seven, the seventh habit of a highly effective Christian is we serve. Everybody say serve. We serve. I'm going to say it again. We serve. As I was preparing for this message, I was a little bit amazed. Everywhere in, almost everywhere that I went into the Word of God in the New Testament that was describing loving each other, guess how the Word of God said we love each other? by serving each other. Faith without works is dead. And even that particular statement is talking about serving. If you see your brother or sister in need and you have something that, they, that can help them, then you're to give it to them. You serve them with what you have because your faith without it is dead and useless. I say I believe something. If I believe that I love the church, if I believe that I, and we are the church, not this building. We meet in this building. We assemble in this building, but we are the church. You can be part of the body of Christ and not be part of the church. 
when you become part of the church, you tap into the government of God, you tap into the authority of God, and we come together and we serve one another. Now, there's a slight twist that's happening in the church today that is, that is saying that we don't need to assemble, and it's also saying that the majority of our serving is in the world, and that is not biblical. We are to serve one another, and then together we serve the world. Are you hearing me? We serve one another. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But not to use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Everybody say serve. Serve. Say one another. What kind of serving do you do? Who do you serve in the church? How do you serve the church? When I was a kid, I was told over and over and over again by my mom and dad, being part of a family has responsibilities. And a local church is the family of God. We call ourselves the cathedral family. And if we're part of a family, then we have responsibilities. So I have an older sister and an older brother, and I'm the youngest. And, and we had to, every single morning, even when we were working outside the home, before we left the house, we had chores that we had to do. Somebody had to empty the garbage, and if you emptied the garbage, then you cleaned the bathrooms. Somebody had, listen, somebody had to do the dishes before, before we left, and they did the dishes at night. That was, and we alternate these. And the other person had to vacuum and dust. So we had, we had three jobs that we had to do, and we alternated those. And, and, and we were just told, if you're part of a family, you have responsibilities. What happens in a family when you have somebody that doesn't do anything to help the family? That they don't care for the home. That they don't care for each other. And I'm not talking caring in your heart, because you can say you care in your heart, but if you don't do anything, you really don't care. You just have a feeling. You just have an intention. And and I know you know the saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We we all have an intention that we're to serve. And I, I have found that when you serve your family, you love your family more. You don't serve your family because you love them. I found when you serve your family, you love your family more. When you, take out, when you take out the garbage and you're not asked to in the family, something happens on the inside. You just feel like this is more your, your place. This is where you belong. You, you have a voice. Are you hearing me? Because you're, you're part of serving something bigger than you. And the first nucleus that we serve is our family. The second nucleus that we should serve, guys, is the church, our second family. Nietzsche and I say all the time that our natural family is out there, but the church is our family, and we serve. That's what Nietzsche and I serve by teaching and preaching and praying. Um, we're not counselors, by the way. We're not, I'm not very good at that. So, but, I, but we teach and we preach and we pray. Um, if you're going to be part of the cathedral family, then you should have some responsibility. Can you say Amen. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received, whatever gift you've received from God, you use it to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. Now, if anyone speaks, that's what I do, they should do it as one who speaks the words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things that God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to to Him be the glory and power forever and ever. So if, if you don't have a teaching and speaking gift, then you should be serving in some form or fashion. And remember, the body of Christ is, is reliant upon each other. The hand can't do much if it's not attached to the arm. The foot can't do much if it's not attached to the leg. The leg depends upon the foot, and the arm depends upon the hand, and the body depends on all. And so when somebody isn't fulfilling what they're supposed to do in their responsibility, the whole church lacks. Where one can turn a thousand, two can turn ten thousand. 
The Word of God says where one can turn a, a, one can turn a thousand, when you get together and two are working together for a common vision or mission, you can accomplish ten times the amount, not double, ten times the amount. There is a multiplying effect. And when we come together as the family of God and we begin to serve one another, then we have the ability to do things together and we can serve the world, those that are hurting on the outside. Ephesians 4.10 talks about this speaking and this teaching gift. Are you ready? It says, Jesus who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe so that Christ himself, Jesus himself, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers and, the, and to equip God's people for works of, what does it say? Service. So you may not like it, but if you're part of the body of Christ, you're to be part of a local church. And if you're part of a local church, that is your family. And you have responsibilities and everybody relies upon you. Part of my job is to help you find your gift so that you can use it to serve others. Everybody say serve. serve. To serve each other to come together under one vision and one mission so that we could begin to change this city and change the world for Jesus Christ. But if we don't come together and each one of us find our part where we're serving and we have a responsibility, we can't even get the body together so we can't go out and do stuff together for the kingdom of God. The body has to function together and we function together first by taking care of ourselves. If you love yourself, you can love others. If you love others, you can love those who are not like you. Now listen, you have to love yourself and we are part of a body together and we're to use our gifts to serve if anyone speaks he says they should do so with the strength that God provides if you serve in the body of Christ there will be a strength that comes within you and a strength that comes upon you to accomplish those things it's frustrating when you're operating outside of your gift. That's why the pastor and the teacher is supposed to help you find the gift so you can tap into the strength of God to serve one another so you guys can come together. We can come together as a family and as a body and begin to serve the world and lead them to Jesus. He says, God gave pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of may be built up. If we're not serving, the body is being torn down. If we're not serving, the body is deteriorating. If we're not serving, the body is discombobulated, disconnected, and dysfunctional. We do this to equip we do this to equip God's people for works of service until we all reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We're finally functioning as a body because pastors and teachers are helping you find your gift and you are beginning to take your place and serve. And we become mature, attaining to... Now we're starting to look like, we're starting to look like a church. We're starting to look like the fullness of God. And he says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, we grow as a body to become in every respect the mature body of him who's the head. So when you have a church and a family of God that doesn't serve, and they are here for themselves. Instead of what they can do for others, they're here for what the church gives them. Here, entertain me. Here, feed me. Here, teach me. Okay, thank you very much. I'll see you next week. I may put a little bit in the offering. When, when we have a church like that, it, it's kind of like those baubles 
Jesus is the head. He's a full-size head, but a little body that hasn't grown. You know what I mean by a bobble? Those guys with, with the football heads, and you, you tap them on the head, and they go like this. You know, and they, That's what the church looks like when we're not serving one another, when we haven't taken our place. The body has not grown, but the head is full-size, and we can't support the head. And he says, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. This is what we want to do. We want to grow and build its, ourselves up as each part does its work. It's work to serve. It's work to serve. And if you're, if you're, you're going to do work, guess what it's going to take? Time. And every single one of us have a, we have a spiritual gift. We have a natural ability to serve. If, if, if somebody doesn't serve the body of Christ, if somebody, does, listen, if somebody isn't taking their place in the family, guess what? It's pretty easy for them to walk away from the family. If people have a habit of coming and going and they're in a church for a month or a year, uh, two and a half years is the average for people who don't serve. People who don't serve come to a church, they spend about 18 months to two and a half years, and then they go to another one, and then they go to another one, and they go to another one, and they go to another one. And if you have done that, it's because I know it's because you're not serving, you're not connecting you're not working in the church. There's something that you are supposed to do. See, what's happened in America is the church has become a place where I, I, I want to go there because I like the music. I want to go there because I, I like the teaching. I want to go there because, because I'm getting fed. I want to go there because they talk about grace and they never condemn me. I like to go there because they don't pull on me. They don't ask me to do anything. I, I have a sense of anonymity. I can come and go as I want. Well, you're not being part of the church. Because if you're part of the church, you're going to serve. You're going to find your place. We're going to help you find your gift. And you're going to do something to serve one another. As we become the full body, then we can be an extension of Jesus into the world. The work is to serve. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. When you serve in the church, when you serve one another, you are serving Jesus Christ. And you may think, well, what? Well, no, come on, hold on. He's the head and we're the body. So when we serve one another, we're serving Jesus because we are the body of Christ on the earth. Jesus is the head of the church. Hey, you know, I, I don't get this. People say, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. I, 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 you know, I, I have a good relationship with Jesus, but the church is full of hypocrites. You know, Pastor Nietzsche and I had some friends about 10 years ago. And we used to do a lot of things together. And I was a little bit maybe more coarse than I am now. I, didn't, you know, I didn't hold my tongue like I do now. You know, I, was, I was a little bit more rowdy, I guess, you know, maybe even critical, I don't know. And, and Nija got a call from the, the spouse, the wife of this couple, and she says, I, I just love you. I just love being around you. You're, oh, God just shines through you. But I hate your husband. And Nija tried talking to her for a little bit. She said, no, I can go out for coffee with you, but I don't think we're going to go out on double dates anymore. You know what happened? Her friendship with that lady ended. The church is the bride of Christ. And when you say you don't like the church, you say you don't like Jesus. He takes it personally, just like she took it personally, just like I would take it personally. She is part of me, and I am part of her. We cannot be separated. It's a covenant. 
And when we don't serve the church, we're saying, I love Jesus, I'll serve him who I don't see, but I will not serve in the church because I don't have enough time, I don't have enough talent, I don't have enough ability, I, don't have, I can't hardly take care of things myself. Well, if you did, maybe God would redeem your time and multiply the time you have. Remember that maybe the chaos that you're going through in your head from being connected online all the time might begin to lift and you can begin to see straight because you're getting it right and you're loving the bride of Christ, the church, and you love by serving. If you want to be an over, come on. If you want to be an overcoming follower of Jesus Christ, you will serve. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, the first thing is, you just ask what needs to be done then. I'll tell you what you do. What is it about the church that's being undone that bugs you? That's what you do. You know, Art back there has this, this, this thing that he does not like weeds. And he doesn't, he doesn't, Art doesn't like weeds. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't like chemicals either. So he literally goes, he digs up the roots of the weeds. Now, Art wanted to do something in church. He didn't even ask. He just showed up with a bucket and, and, uh, and his tools, and he started digging. And he's been digging for four months. And I don't know if you know this, but the flag park and everything's starting to look beautiful around here, even though it's brown. He didn't ask. And then as he started doing that, he said, you know, I could mow too. And he comes, and, and you know what, he... I've noticed that art has more life in him now. Art has more, more joy. Art has more peace. He belongs because he's serving. What was bugging him, what bugs him, what wasn't being done, he started doing it and he's finding his place because he's part of the family now. This is his place. This is, this is his home. This is his family. This is his body. And when he does that, Lucas and I don't have to do it, which frees us up to do what we're supposed to be doing, which is preaching, teaching, overseeing, and ministering to you. You guys know who Groucho Marx was? Turn of the century, black and white, had a little cigar, big cigar, a little mustache, and he kind of walked like, no, that was Charlie Chaplin, wasn't it? Groucho Marx was the other one. Anyway, he had this saying, I want you to hear this saying, he said, I refuse to join any social club that would have me as a member. In other words, he knew what he was. And he wanted to be around people that was better than him. He wanted to be around people that might improve him. He said, I don't want to join any club that would have me as a member. Well, that says an awful lot, doesn't it? But let me ask you a question. Would you want to join a church where people are as committed as you are? Would you want to come every week? Would you, would you want to get hooked up and serve? Would you want to support with your tithes and offerings? Would you want to support the vision of a church that was full of people that are as committed as you are? Lucas said, absolutely. I say, absolutely, too. But hold on. If the pastor was as committed as you are, if, if the youth pastor was committed as you are, if the, jan if the person that cleaned the church was as committed as you were, if the person that printed the bulletins and, and kept things up to date online was as committed as you were, if the person who handled the finances were as committed as you are, if the person that runs the sound or the person that's running the praise and worship team were as committed as you are, would you want to be part of that church? If the answer is no, then this message is definitely for you. You're part of a family, which means you have responsibilities. And God has given you a gift. God has given you a talent. And that talent and that gift is for you to serve others in the church. So the body can grow up. We can not be the bobble anymore, but we can have a body that supports the head, which is Jesus Christ. And we can go into this world and begin to make changes. We can begin to transform 
You can't transform squat if you can't function together as a body. Now, I'm not preaching this message worried that half the church is going to leave because it's true. It's the truth of the Word of God. We all are to serve. Somebody might say, well, I have a gift, and that gift is giving. I have a gift, and that gift is praying. Those are things that are mandatory in the body of Christ. What are you doing to serve? What are you doing to take your place? Remember, when you serve, you begin to feel like, hey, this is my home. Hey, this is my family. Now, I'm going to use somebody else. I just caught him out of the corner of my eye. Now, Andrew back there, he, used to, he would come almost every day, and he would serve. Sometimes he would get paid. Sometimes he wouldn't. But, you know, he started this iron-working job. He hadn't been around. I bet you feel less engaged, don't you? I bet you feel less at home, right? That's just the way it works. When you serve, you find your place. When you serve, you begin to grow. When you serve, you begin to mature. When you serve, guess what? Your stick-to-itiveness increases. That means that you won't be shaken up. Your spiritual life, your social life, come on, your, bib your biblical reading, study life, all of that will grow as you begin to serve. Now, this is really a message where the rubber meets the road. We have built churches in the United States with thousands and thousands upon people, and the idea is, okay, don't make any demands upon the people. Don't let them have a sense of anonymity. You, you don't even have to get their name anymore. As a matter of fact, let's just fill the church with people who aren't born again. That's not a church. That is the church with a bunch of people that aren't born again. When you get born again, when you make your confession for Jesus Christ that he is Lord, that he is God come in the flesh, and he becomes your Lord, then you're born into the body of Christ, and you're to find your place in the church, and you're to do something with it, and that is to serve. In Exodus chapter 21... There's a, there, there's, a, there's a little catch in here, a little, a little idea in here that really talks about where the body of Christ is. And, and, and this is talking about, and we're probably not going to read it all, this is talking about slaves and bondservants. Now, when you think of slavery, don't think race slavery here. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about where a Hebrew would get himself in debt and he would say, will you pay my debt and then I will serve you. And the maximum service was six years. On the seventh year, they were to be set free. Are you hearing me? So when it says, would you, when you buy a Hebrew slave, it's not like I'm buying you from somebody else. You're coming to me because I've got money. And you say, I owe $10,000. I will serve you. I got the, the year of Jubilee is here. It's three years. I, would you do that? Yes. Okay. And then on that seventh year, the year of Jubilee, I'm to set you free. But in Exodus 20, it says, now, if you came with a wife and children, then when you leave on that seventh year, your wife and your children leave with you. Because you, you paid your debt. You were a slave and you paid your debt. But if you came and you, and you worked for, for somebody and they provided you with a wife who wasn't going to be free in that seventh year and they had kids, you had the choice. You could leave and be free, but you'd leave your wife and your kids behind because you didn't come with them. This was a way that you paid off debt back, you know, debtor's prison. This is, this is better than debtor's prison because in debtor's prison, somebody else has to pay your debt. In, in this, in this form of slavery, of selling yourself, basically you sell yourself today. Yes, I'll work for that salary. Yes, I'll work for that many hours. I'll get for this, this much money per hour. We do the same thing. We're saying, I owe this much money. Will you pay my debt so that I won't have to go to debtor's prison and I will work for you for six years? But on the seventh year, I'll be set free. But if, 
if this slave who sold themselves into servitude walks away and he says to himself, oh, I I love my wife and my kids. Or maybe he doesn't have a wife and kids. He says, I really was better off serving my master for those six years than I was by myself. I, I really liked it there. I mean, the house he gave me was good. The food was good. I didn't have to worry about things. Now I got to worry about how I'm going to put food on the table, how, what I, where I'm going to work, what kind of business I'm going to start. I'm not good at those things. You know what? I want to go back. And so he had the opportunity, the slave that got set free because he paid his debt, his debt was paid, could go back to the master and become part of the family. You know how you do that? He would take the, 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 the master would take the slave who was set free, and he'd take him to the, the doorpost in the front of the city gate, and he'd run out on all like a big old punch through his ear, and then he would hang the colors of the, that family, like a, like a crest, the, the colors of the family in that used-to-be slave's ear, and he would become a bondservant. The difference between a slave and a bondservant is simple. One serves because he has to. The other serves because he wants to. And the benefit is this, a slave had no rights. A slave had no voice. A slave only had a lent position. His home was not his. But a bondservant became part of the family. A bondservant, when he went out on his own and he had those colors of the house in his ear, the slave didn't have those. He would walk down the street and if the house was powerful, he was powerful. If the house had authority, he had authority. Because he became part of the family by choosing to serve, not because he wanted to serve. And we came to Jesus Christ because we were in slavery to sin. We couldn't stop sinning. We had to pay our debt. And we came to Jesus and we're acting like we're slaves to Jesus. But we've been set free and we could come back to him and say, no, Lord, I want to serve. It's good in your house. I love this family. I, 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 I'm free in this family. I get corrected in this family. I'm not on my own in this family. I want to be part of the family, and I'm going to serve willingly. And it says this in the very end. He says, but if, verse 5, but if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children, and I don't want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges, and he shall take him to the doorposts and pierce his ear with an awl, and then he will be his servant for." Life. He'd be part of the family forever. His job might not change. His house probably won't change. He's not going to get a raise. The only thing that changed was his heart. One was I have to because I don't want to go to hell, I'm going to go to church. Because I know I'm a bad person, I'm going to go to church. I can't do it without the church. And then there's a change of heart. I belong. That's my family. I don't want to go anywhere else. I'm going to serve. And what happens is the authority, the wealth, and the power And the ability that's in that family and the head of that household comes upon the servant because now he's a bond servant. He's bonded to the man. He's bonded to the family. He's no longer just grafted in. He has become born into the family. And we've got churches that are full of slaves and they should be full of children. We've got people that are trying to earn their way into heaven instead of realizing they've already got heaven in them, empowering them to do what God has called them and equipped them to do. 
And we have people out, guys, we have people in the body of Christ who say, well, I'm called to be a teacher, but they've never volunteered an hour in their life and they never will teach in this church. I'm a prophet. We've had a couple of those. Prophet liars. Didn't lift a finger to do anything, but wanted to come in and, and tell the church what they should change and what they should do. In other words, I want the benefits of the gift, but I don't want to take up the responsibility. I don't want to make the commitment. And what happens is when you do that, you're not connected to the body. You're not exercising your rights as part of the church. You feel out of place. It's, it's, like you're, it's like you're taking a shower with a raincoat on. Nothing, nothing's really changing here. People say, oh, pastor, I'd love to spend time with you. Well, then come on campus and do some work and you'll get to know me. You'll get to rub shoulders with me. You, 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 if, you, if, you, if that's what you want, I don't know why you would, but if that's what you want, well, then come on, work, 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 work. Do something. And, I, and please, guys, when you take responsibility, it's not like my mom and dad had to say every week, okay, this week you've got the garbage, okay, well, this week you've got the, the vacuuming and dusting, this week you've got the bathrooms. Now, did you do it? No, no, it was, we just took the responsibility and we did it and the house functioned well. The house was always clean. It didn't stink. Things were done. That's what the church needs, people who will take up the responsibility, not people that have to be told what to do every day because then the pastor becomes the manager. And I'm not a manager. I'm a teacher. I'm an equipper. I'm an encourager. I'm a visionary. I don't want to manage nobody. I have enough trouble managing myself. If you want the church, your church, to grow so that you can grow and start serving. Remember, you're, you're not serving the pastoral team. You're not serving the, pastor, the pastor's care team. You're serving Jesus Christ as you serve each other. You know, this is God's plan for promotion. This is the way God promotes people in the Word of God. Joshua served Moses for 40 years, and when Moses took off, Joshua got his anointing, and he became the leader of Israel. David served Saul for 17 years, and then when Saul was, when Saul was checked out, then David became the king. Elisha served Elijah for years. And then one day, Elijah was taken up and Elisha got double the anointing. You probably don't know who this is, but Reinhardt Bunke served T.L. Osborne. Reinhardt Bunke was one of the greatest evangelists that we, that we had in the, la in the last 20 years having crusades where millions of people would get born again. And he started by serving an evangelist that, that was operating in those gifts at the turn of, of 1940 through 1970. Kenneth Copeland served Oral Roberts. The way that we're promoted in the body of Christ is by serving. I remember back when I was a kid, my dad had a car, my brother had a car, my sister had a car that didn't have power steering. Does anybody remember those cars? And you try and turn the wheel on a car that doesn't have power steering, you know, when you're not moving. It is awful difficult. I mean, you got to take both arms and you got to crank and you got to sweat, but you get that car moving, it's easy to turn. And the same is true with serving. As you begin to serve, as you begin to move, it's easier to find your place. There isn't a perfect place to start. There's just the place to start. Matthew chapter 20, Jesus said this, verse 25, last scripture. Jesus called them together. He called his disciples together. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and 
Their high, high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must become your slave. Just as the Son of Man, he said, just like I did not come to be served, Jesus, but I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. We say we're going to lay down our life. But we can't lay down two hours a week. We say that Jesus is our Lord, but we don't do anything to serve him. Oh, we worship him. We spend time with him. We pray. We ask him for things, but we don't serve him. So if you don't serve him, then is he your Lord? How did Jesus tell us to serve him? By serving each other. If you want to be an overcoming follower of Jesus Christ, the seventh habit is to serve. Where do you serve? In your family. Where do you serve? In your church. Who do you serve? Those that are in the church. The body together. And then who are you serving? You're serving Jesus. Would you bow your head with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you and we love you and we praise you. And I know this message seems hard, but it's true. So I just ask, Lord, that this message begin to work inside of our hearts. Help each one of us to find that place where we can serve. We can love each other and express it through service. So we can find our place. So we can get hooked in. And we'll know inside of our heart as we do it, it's our home. And that's when promotion comes. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Lucas? You know, like we just read, the Bible says that Jesus came as a servant to all. And that servant laid down his life for all, for you and I. Now, there's a lot of you in here who have made that confession. And so you've experienced the life that you've been given through Jesus. And there's some of you in here who may not have made that confession. But Jesus gave his life as a servant. He came, he laid down everything that he had, everything that he had in, in heaven, so that he could come down here and make a way so that we can know the Father, so that we could know God, that we could be in the family, that we could be bond servants, that we could be, that we could walk in the power, the authority, the love, the joy, the peace that he gives, that Jesus gives. And so I pray that as you, as you were sitting here and you were listening to that the, the Holy Spirit was speaking to you about the need to serve, about the need, the, the necessity to lay down your life, to lay down your time, to lay down your wants, to sow into the church, to serve the church so that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. In Sherman Hill, in Des Moines, in Iowa, in this nation, and ultimately the world, right? And so if, if you guys would bow your heads with me. I want to give you the opportunity to accept the gift that Jesus gave of eternal life. But also for some of us here who have maybe accepted that gift a while ago, but feel, I don't know, dry. Maybe you feel distant because part of you knows that you should be doing something for the body, for the church, but you don't know what. And sometimes we need a little spark, a little nudge in the right direction. So I wanna pray with you, but I wanna give you if, you, if you feel that nudge within you to give your life to, to Jesus, to make him Lord of your life, I want you to lift up your hand. 
make that confession to say, hey, I, I, I'm ready to do this. Jesus, I'm, I'm giving it to you. I'm going I'm to I'm lay down my life like you did for me and serve you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I see those hands. So if everybody could lift your hand with me and repeat after me. That Jesus, Jesus, thank you for your gift. Thank you for your gift. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your life. I lay down my life. I lay down my life. I, I, I commit you. I command you as Lord of my life. I commit to you. Come within me, make me new, and I will do my best to serve you the best that I can for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys give the Lord a hand clap of praise, those who gave it, amen, amen. You guys would stand up on your feet. Let's praise God one more time before we leave together. There's no other name. There is no other name but the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will stay through it all. So come one day in the space between what remains unseen and this reckoning. I know I will never be alone. I know. Just so you know, if you did make that decision, please go back to the Connect table. There are little cards. Um, scan the QR code, fill out the information. We love you. Um, also, next week, there is a brunch. Or not a brunch, sorry, not a brunch. Just a potluck. You guys are welcome to join us for. It'll be right over there. Anybody's welcome. We encourage you to do it. And uh, yeah, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week or sooner. Amen. Amen.